1: Today's show is brought to you by OnPay, the new standard in payroll. You can pay employees and contractors in minutes, automate your payroll taxes and filings, as well as provide health benefits and HR in all 50 states. For more information, visit buildingthefutureshow.com OnPay. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Avi Savar. He's the president at Suzy. Avi,
0: welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I'm excited to uh, to be part of this. This is awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at Susie is really innovative and cool. But maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
0: Sure, sure, sure. So uh, I grew up mostly in California. I was born in Israel, but spent uh, the better part of my, let's call them uh, formative years in Los Angeles, Uh, and, uh, and then I ended up in uh, Boston for, uh, for my undergraduate. I went to Boston university, uh, and then just kind of stayed out on the East coast. And now I'm a New Yorker and I'm married to a New Yorker. And once you do that, you kind of never leave. So I've been (laughs) in New York now for uh, the better part of, you know, about 25 years or so.
1: Very cool. So what did you take in university and why?
0: Uh, so I studied communications, um, you know, really with a focus on broadcasting and film. Uh, I've always been, you know, kind of a storyteller at heart and, um, you know, the, the world of, of film and video, obviously, you know, back in, in the 90s when I was coming of age, was very, very different than what it is today. And, and, and really that, you know, kind of launched my career. I, I started my life in production uh, and spent, you know, better part of my early professional career uh, as a television producer. And uh, from, from there, you know, I I spent a number of years, uh, you know, between Viacom, you know, producing series and specials for VH1, uh, across MTV networks. Uh, I was a, um, a producer at, uh, Good Morning America for, for quite some time. Uh, and, and for the better part of, you know, of of, of, probably 10, 12 years or so, um, had the chance to produce, Uh, content in almost every format, you know, live television was where I kind of cut my teeth um, and then went into longer format, um, you know, series and specials. And then, you know, call it early, uh, early 2000s, right around 2003, 2004 is when I decided it was time for me to kind of hang up my own shingle. And I went off and started uh, what was then a production company, uh, which eventually kind of grew and morphed into more of a marketing and communications firm. Uh, and the timing of that was all kind of circled around the, the, the world of social media and, and video on the web. Um, you know, if you recall, you know, YouTube basically came out of the gate in I want to say it's 2005. Uh, I started my company in 2004, just to give you, you know some, some context. So the world of, of you know, video and, and content that was predominantly driven through broadcast networks um, was beginning to shift online And, you know, you had, you know, really a lot of the portals that controlled the front door of the internet, you know, AOL, MSN, Yahoo, um, they were really the front doors of the internet and and they were starting to make really big investments in video. Uh, And then the world of, you know, YouTube and all the social platforms that began to emerge right around that time kind of took content online in 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 a crazy direction and it became, you know, really the Wild West. For, for a while, and, and that's when my company um, kind of really grew up. I, I launched my company in, in 2004, um, navigated it through, you know, a, a pretty dramatic financial crisis uh, and came out the other side of it uh, and was fortunate enough to grow it to, you know, relatively um, scalable size. And in 2011, I sold my company to the Publicis Group. Uh, at that time, you know, we were one of the largest um, kind of content social media specialty agencies uh, and really handling, you know, large scale social agency of record assignments with brands like General Motors and Affleck and T-Mobile and uh, Gatorade and and a number of brands. So that's kind of where my world started. Um, it was a pretty, you know, uh, albeit it, it sounds like a dramatic shift from being a TV producer to, to to moving into the world of marketing. But, you know, for me, it, it, it was relatively natural in that my entire, um, you know reason for being and and premise as an organization was to help brands ultimately become publishers and and help them build audiences and connect with consumers in ways that they hadn't before um, and i think my background in in storytelling in production and in, in producing all these various formats kind of gave me a unique opportunity to come in with you know a very different narrative um, and start to move the world of advertising from you know, very much a um, you know uh, sell me uh, product to you know help me uh, and and engage with me um, you know paradigm. So it really became about you know helping brands you know become publishers, tell really great stories, engage with consumers in ways that they really hadn't been before. And and now you know is 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 a very big part of the fabric of marketing and communications is you know this idea of engagement. Uh, engagement wasn't a term in in advertising, you know, until, until, you know, I, we started kind of doing the things that we were doing, along with a number of other, you know, um, uh, very reputable firms, like, you know, my company was called Big Fuel, um, other brands like Deep Focus, MRY, these were like some of the big, you know, kind of hot shops that were coming up around the same time as, as, as my firm. And we were all aligned around this idea that, you know, brands could no longer interrupt people and, and force them, you know, to watch a 30 second commercial. And, and we were really moving towards much more of, a, of an engagement model where we had to tell stories and, and connect with audiences and build longer term relationships Uh, and, and, and frankly, that's a natural, um, segue into what I do today as president of Suzy, you know, we are all about helping brands understand consumers and do it in real time so that they can really develop, you know, breakthrough products and experiences and create value, um, in the world other than, you know, just selling their products. And so that voice of the consumer has been a thread in, you know, in my life since, you know, my, my career began is, you know, what do audiences want? What stories resonate? You know, making people laugh, making people cry, making people smile has always been, you know, my world. Uh, And and the byproduct of that becomes love my product, buy my product, use my product because, you know, it helps you. Uh, And so here we are, you know, 20 plus years later and, and, you know, the, the path has taken me from, you know, broadcast television to marketing services and now into software. Uh, and it's been an incredible journey. I've learned a whole hell of a lot. Um, but that's really been the thread for me is, is helping connect the dots between what people care about uh, and what brands kind of need them to do and, what, what, and how they can better navigate, um, you know, large scale consumers. Very cool. So
1: how does Suzy do that for brands now with everything kind of being digital right and like during this pandemic and and how well I guess no a better question would be like how did it do it before and how is it the same and different during the pandemic and and then let's transition into how do you think or predictions for if what will go back to kind of pre-pandemic type stuff
0: Sure. It's a, it's a great question. It's, you know, pr- pretty nuanced, actually. I think, you know, I'll, I'll give you a little context first and just say, like, you know, pre-pandemic, uh, you know, everything in the world was slowly moving towards kind of digital disruption. And everything, sure. you know, had always kind of been the, the, the concept of software eating the world, um, you know, wasn't new. Uh, and I think what the pandemic has done in many cases, you know, is accelerated all of that. Whether you're looking at education, healthcare, every industry um, has now been accelerated by digital transformation as a result of the pandemic. And market research is no different. You know, when we, um, when Suzy was launched about three years ago, you know, the, the, the vision and premise, you know, w- was digital disruption, but, you know, that had already been started. Like, we didn't start that trend. Um, you know, SurveyMonkey, Qualtrics, you know, there are brands that have been in the space for, you know, 10, 15 plus years trying to disrupt the traditional market research uh, landscape. Um, and, and I think, you know, m- m- very successfully so. Um, but I think what we've seen is that, especially post-pandemic, the world of market research has been disrupted, disrupted pretty dramatically insofar that, you know, the, the, the industry at large, which is, you know, probably an addressable market of about 50 to 60 or so billion dollars. Um, about 30% of that give or take is in person, right? You're talking sure. about, you know, uh, uh, in-person focus groups, you're talking about, you know, audience polls coming out of movie theaters, all this stuff, like about 30% of the market is driven by in-person interaction and pretty much overnight that's gone. And so the need for, you know, digital workflows and digital systems to help fill in those gaps, not just because frankly, the, the world was different, you know, from a, from an operational standpoint as it relates to market research, but damn like the consumer paradigm was entirely disrupted so everything every brand ever knew about a consumer leading up to march of 2020 it was totally thrown out of whack every behavior every shift had, had had been you know accelerated and and trends that that brands could have counted on were totally disrupted and so it was a, in a many ways a, a perfect storm of disruption within digital uh, market research because it made the need for for research at large, you know, more prevalent, meaning I'm a brand, my consumer is now socially distant, staying at home, not doing the things that they were doing, you know, 36 hours ago. Um, How do I navigate that, right? Is my product still relevant to them? Are they still willing to buy it? Um, How much are they willing to spend on it? What other products are in their wheelhouse now that may or may not be impacting my market share? Um, You saw a huge trend in like, you know, these like more, let's call them old school products um, coming back into, into the consumer mindset in a very powerful way. You know, the brands like, you know, Method were replaced by, you know, Dial, And and the, you know, organic, you know, the green cleansers are now replaced with, you know, Clorox. Um, And and so the shift in behavior was really profound. Um, And I think that just really opened the floodgates uh, for online market research to not just become, you know, a necessary part of the toolkit, but the agility behind market research um, has never been a strong suit, right? Um, Market research has predominantly been relatively sl- slow to move, generally expensive, reserved for larger brands. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, these large brands and small brands alike needed to like be agile. And the only way to do that is to leverage digital, right? You don't have six weeks to wait for a, you know, a 30 slide deck that a strategist and a researcher are gonna put together with, for you, you know, after a, a, a bunch of, 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 of research, you need answers now. Uh, you're about to go into your boss's office and 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 pitch for your life because your products are being disrupted and services are being up uh, uh, you know appended and and what do you do? So you know a, a you know platform like Suzy, you know we were solving this before the pandemic, um, and now during the pandemic, you know we've seen such a rise in demand uh, for for what it is that we've done and and frankly has made us. Um, Uh, you know, actually look at the world of market research in a slightly different way. We're, um, you know, on our roadmap, we had a lot of things going and planned for this year. We've, we've completely, um, uh, you know, retooled our roadmap. We just launched our, our, our second product called Susie Live. Susie Live is, 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 you know, on-demand video uh, interviews with consumers. So in-person focus groups, in-person market research is a thing of the past. So now how do I talk to a consumer? Um, and, and how do I do it efficiently and, and, and how do I talk to the exact consumer that I wanna speak with? So Suzy Live was launched you know, last week um, uh, out of the gate and has, has you know, really been a, um, a, a very powerful complement to the core Suzy product. So you know, really thinking about how we could combine qualitative and quantitative research in a toolkit for brands to be able to really put the voice of the consumer like at the table with them in the room think a big part of the value proposition that we are are putting into the world is is agility and speed. Uh, it's something that even, you know, pre-pandemic, um, you know, digital market research hasn't really been able to provide in the same level of, of quality. And I think we've got a, a, a product uh, and a suite that, that, you know, has done really unique and powerful things in the space that that hasn't been, you know, seen before. And I think part of that is why we're seeing the relative success we're, we're seeing, you know, we've grown the business from about 18, 20 customers to over 200 customers, you know, in in, in less than two years and raised a, 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 a pretty sizable round of funding earlier in the year um, to continue, you know, pushing that level of growth. And, uh, you know, we're just getting started here.
1: No, that that's great. So maybe give us some examples of how people and companies, use suzy to actually do these kind of insights and and get them what they're looking for
0: yeah so so great great question you know i think to 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 over, overly simplify it um you know i would say there are three kind of primary areas of focus within an organization that that you know leverage suzy and, and what suzy does um, the first is in let's call it kind of Core research and insights, right? All you know, research departments, insights departments, R and D departments within an organization. Um, they need access to data. They need access to consumers to do their job, and they tend to kind of service their broader organizations. So we work with a lot of insights departments um, and a lot of research groups within big brands. Uh, they use Suzy for a number of different use cases. Um, second is innovation. Right, innovation, new product development, um, R&D—it's the development of new services, new products, new functions, new features. Um, they need access to consumers to ultimately determine if if what they're buying is even you know worth making, or sorry, if what they're making is worth uh, with worth putting out in the marketplace. So innovation departments, uh, you know, tend to lean on Susie for a number of, of use cases, you know, and then you have this kind of world of of advertising content and marketing, right? The right message, the right creative, the right uh, pricing model, the right kind of go-to-market strategy, right? Um, And then, you know, once you're in market, you're doing optimization, you're trying to see, you know, what and how your product is performing once you've launched it. So, if you look at the broader commercialization funnel, from, from the moment somebody has an idea of a product or service, to, to having to validate a you know, uh, you know, hundred different assumptions all the way through to the development of that product through manufacturing and processes, all the way into the packaging, the design, the pricing of it to how it goes into market. Every part of that commercialization funnel benefits from having consumers at the table. Uh, and and um, historically, you know, what's tended to happen is these different parts of the, let's call it the commercialization funnel, tended to have stage gates, meaning you go from one stage to the next stage to the next stage, and research tended to be bookended. You do a little research up front to define and and, and and dictate kind of how you do what you do. Then you do a little research at the end of that stage gate to maybe validate the work that you've done, and then you move into the next stage. And, and that that assembly line starts to form, and you're doing research at the beginning and end of each stage. And what we're saying is that's just kind of not the way to do it. Right. In order to truly be effective in a world that's moving faster and faster um, and consumer behavior really, you know, kind of um, evolving as rapidly as the new cycle that you need to have the consumer at the table with you throughout the entire process, not just at the beginning and end of each stage. And that's really the value of Susie, and I think part of that is also our, you know, overall go-to-market strategy, which is not, you know, very typical um, in in the research world. Digital research, uh, you know, online research has very much been a project-based model. Um, you know, you buy respondents on the open market. You know, responses to surveys, you're buying as you go, and we came out of the gate and said, you know, that's doesn't really that's kind of the wrong incentive structure for brands because it it almost disincentivizes research. The more research you do, the more expensive it gets, Uh, the more often you do it, the more cumbersome it becomes. And so Susie is this is an always on platform. You know, we don't, unlike you know, most of our competitors, we don't buy responses from you know programmatic exchanges. You know, a large majority of survey responses that, that are generated through companies like SurveyMonkey and Qualtrics, et cetera, are all bought on exchanges, right? So the audiences are very fragmented, they're all over the place. Um, and it's a cost per interaction or a cost per complete model. And we came out of the gate and said, you know. That's just not how we wanna do business. We wanna turn this into an always on software experience. And so you pay for access to the software, the software and the audience are bundled together. So you're not paying for every response that gets generated. You're paying for access to the audience um, and and the types of actions that you wanna launch to that audience. So um, the pricing model, the go-to-market strategy is very different. It's also very kind of enterprise focused. Right. It's not it's not really meant for small to medium sized businesses who really the ad hoc pay as you go model makes a lot more sense. Right the, the budgets and the, and the dedicated resources aren't really there um, for those size companies, whereas for the enterprise, you know, research is embedded into the fabric of how they do business um, and, and is a big part of their share of wallet and, and, and their overall budgeting. And so, you know, when you look at those enterprises, Suzy makes a lot of sense. Right. It's cheaper than project based ad hoc. You know, if you look at it in aggregate, um, the value proposition allows you to talk to consumers at will. Um, The audience is native to the product, so you can retarget audiences and and build longitudinal uh, studies and talk to them over time. So, you know, it, it makes a lot more sense if research is part of your DNA uh, as a large enterprise. And that's really kind of the sweet spot that we've been able to carve out for ourselves is, is you know, large brands um, who who value consumer um, uh, interaction and opinions um, and are looking for you know, better ways to be more agile with a higher quality audience uh, and, a, and a business model or pricing model that you know, is a lot more attractive, frankly.
1: Okay, no, that makes sense. But- but then like, like even on your homepage, you said like, you know, a brand used you guys to test like ad concepts for a Super Bowl TV spot. Like, how did you guys find the consumers that, you know, enjoy Super Bowl Sunday? Like, how do you find the target audience that I'm looking for as a brand?
0: Yep. Great, great question. So, you know, we have two parts to our business, right? The, 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 the business side is Susie. The consumer side, um, we have a number of platforms. Our primary platform is called CrowdTap. CrowdTap is a community of consumers. Uh, they sign up to join the network. Uh, it's a gamified experience. They, you know, once they sign up, they go through, you know, a, a process of kind of getting onboarded and verified, so we actually know that it's a real human being, and um, they tell us a little bit about themselves, um, and then they get the opportunity to kind of engage with the game and earn points for their participation. And typically, they're participating through answering questions and and, um, participating in certain activities. So, you know, the more they engage, the more points they get, and they can leverage those points for, you know, gift cards to, you know, any major retailer, Amazon, Walmart, Nike, NBA store, Sephora, you name it. They're gift cards that, that talk to different types of audiences. Uh, they could donate those uh, those points to charity. So there's a number of different ways they can engage. So on on the flip side of of the kind of the business experience, which I talked about, um, is the consumer experience, and and we're building and have built a consumer experience that values, you know, the 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 consumer. Whereas you know, if you look at many of the um, you know kind of consumer panel companies that exist out there that are selling responses. Um, they treat consumers very much like a commodity. It's how, how much, you know, how cheap can I buy a response and how much can I sell that response for? Um, and and, it's, and it's, it's a very different paradigm. And for us, we kind of don't believe in that model. Um, you know, you have to have that if you're trying to scale and service, you know, the entire market research, you know, industry, but we're not trying to service the entire market research industry. We're trying to service our customers. Um, and with that, we know we have, you know, a large enough sample size. You know, we've got about 1.5 million consumers who have opted into the network. Um, we manage that for quality and speed and national uh, you know, representation. So it's mapped to census, et cetera. And, and that allows us to you know, be statistically significant and also maintain the right level of audience interaction and quality. Right? If you look at, uh, I'll give you a, a good interesting example, right? Nielsen, um, who you know, powers you know, billions and billions of dollars of ad spend in the open market, their Nielsen family's product, which is core to, to, to their service, is 37,000 set-top boxes, right? 37,000 set-top boxes is uh, one-tenth of one percent or something like that of the overall population, and that is statistical significance for viewing habits to basically be determined for the entire industry. So we don't need 100 million consumers in our network. Um, we need, you know, frankly, the right 50,000. Uh, and and with that, you know, kind of model, we're able to build, you know, a network infrastructure to support our audience and and the types of audiences that we're engaging with, and then on the flip side, be able to deliver that value back to our, our clients uh, in a way that drives, you know, speed and agility. And so, you know, a, a typical client can ask Susie, uh, uh, you know, or the Susie audience a question and within 10 minutes, they've got, you know, two to 300 responses. And, you know, within about 10, 15 minutes, they've got 500 responses. And for them, that 500 response, like that is statistically significant, um, enough so that they can really make decisions uh, on a regular basis. And that changes the world for them of, you know, real time, you know, to to having to wait to make decisions. And I think that's a big deal.
1: Okay. So, but how do you guys actually go out and find those consumers like you have to get them onboarded onto the platform yep. so like if you have a client that says i want to test in this vertical or we're launching a new product in this vertical if you don't have those people how do you go out, out how do you go about recruiting those people and get them into the platform
0: Yep. So it's, it's a great question. So mo- a lot of it is frankly organic. You know, about 80% of our audience base comes to the CrowdTap front door, you know, organically. Okay. That's just built on reviews and, and ratings and, and being, you know, kind of out with organic content and, um, and driving just a, a growth in community. Uh, and so, you know, about 10,000 or so people show up to the front door of CrowdTap every month organically okay. and apply to join, right? Gotcha. And it's an application process. Not every, Only about 20% of the overall uh, consumers that apply actually get in. So, you know, we really are looking to curate the right audience mechanism for our, our broader, um, you know, audience makeup. Meaning, you know, we, you know, we know we have, you know, a ton of, let's call them, you know, Midwestern um, housewives and moms. We need more African-American males. We know we need more Hispanic females. So we know within our audience base where we need to throttle up and throttle down, right? You kind of look at it almost like a cell phone network, right, we have towers. And if we, you know, if, 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 if one of the nodes of the towers, you know, uh, tells us that we need more of a certain, you know, type of demographic, then, you know, we can go out and specifically target and recruit in those areas, you know, and we're constantly just mapping to census. So for us, making sure that our, you know, our overall audience our, you know, kind of active, um, engaged audience, our daily actives, our monthly actives, you know, are, are, are in line with where census is, and we're constantly looking at that. So we measure and look at our audience business in three key areas. We call it a, it's kind of um, cheeky, but we call it an SDQ score. Speed, demographics, and quality. So if we can deliver 500 responses inside of, you know, 30 minutes, nobody can beat us on speed. Uh, demographics needs to be statistically relevant and significant and mapped to the US census population. And then quality. Right? Making sure that you know, fraud and, and spam are, 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 are not in the system. Right? You would be shocked to know that in the typical market research you know, digital um, world, 20 to 25% of survey responses that, are com- that come in through the open market are fraudulent or spam. 25%. Sure. Right? So we maintain a, a, a spam fraud rate below 2.5% right? And we don't cleanse our data. Uh, So for us, it's speed, quality, and demographics. Those are the three key areas of focus for the audience. Um, And so uh, uh, luckily, a good part of our core audience growth is organic. And then, you know, on those quote unquote, hard to reach audience, um, you know, buckets, we maintain and manage, you know, dedicated communities. Um, We do some paid media acquisition, we do some influencer outreach. So it's very much a social community building, um, you know, um, modality.
1: Okay. No, that makes sense. So maybe give us some other examples of how companies leverage Suzy to validate their product or one of their variations or yeah. shopping, or, or just give us maybe some more use cases of how people have used the product.
0: Sure. I mean, there's you're you're kind of the typical ones where you want to do a concept test and you're testing, you know, three different you know variations of a package design, or or maybe frankly you're 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 go you're testing 20 and you want to get it down to your top three, so then you can take those top three and move them into you know a a, a more hardcore uh, you know research methodology that will take longer, right? And so it allows you to very rapidly validate, um, and that's one of the key benefits. So you know you've got your basic you know concept tests, uh um, you've got, you know, pr- uh, pricing testing, things like that. And then, then you go into the kind of the the, the slightly outer outer um, rim, and you know, really new use cases that we didn't even think would be, you know, something uh, to consider are now also pop popping up. Use cases like sales enablement, right? We've got, you know. Um, ad sales, advertising sales groups at large entertainment companies that are using Suzy to really understand consumer behavior and use that research and data to go back to their customers and sell, right? So a good example of that would be, uh, let's call it, uh, uh, I'll make it a hypothetical because I don't want to use existing customers. Let's see, uh, you know, tri-state uh, car dealership, you know, is, is, is a, a potential customer for a brand like, you know, iHeart or some large, you know, publisher. And, um, and the, the salesperson is about to call on, you know, this pro- prospect. They can then go to that prospect and say, I know that your target consumer also listens to this kind of music and also enjoys these three things. So as they sell to their core customers, they have research and data to back up their proposals. right? You've got big food and beverage brands that are using Suzy Data when they, when they pick up the phone and, and, and engage with Walmart to try to get shelf space they're using data to defend shelf space. Oh, we know that people who buy this also like our products, so you should put our product next to this product. Um, And it's helping them defend and expand shelf space. Um, We've got uh, really interesting use cases that are are totally out there like um, machine learning and AI training, right, that needs human input. Uh, and so you want to be able to get human input into training algorithms. that's something that we never thought about before and is starting to kind of get interesting so it's it's everything from what you would expect, right? I want to test an idea I want to narrow down my my assumptions around pricing, or go to market, or campaign development, or I want to decide which three products I should actually put into production, and I can only pick one, so I need to whittle that down, all the way to like these kind of newfangled concepts where research and data was never really accessible. Uh, and now we've kind of opened it up that it's so easy to use, and anybody can kind of access it, that it's uh, it's showing us the real power of what we can do.
1: Now, very cool. So. What do you think the future of this space is? Do you think it's gonna go more digital? Do you think it's gonna go back into the physical world? Is it a little bit of both? And, and obviously your answer might be different like once we're out of the pandemic, but yeah, what are your thoughts on kind of the future of the space?
0: Yeah, it's, it's another great question. L- listen, I, I, think, I think you know the world will go back to in-person. Um, the question is when, um, and when it does, I think you will see that you know new behaviors and and new modes of working will now also influence that so you know i don't think you know the world of of in-person research is gone by no means um you know the, the question is you know how much will it be dominant versus what it used to be just like now a lot of businesses are thinking to themselves huh you know, maybe I don't need as big of an office space and people can work remotely and come in in different ways. And so you're seeing that take shape in in, in, in real estate conversations about how businesses go back to work. Um, you're seeing that take shape in, in education and how, you know, students are learning. And I don't think it's going to be any different in market research. I think what we're seeing now is that um, this like explosion of tools is going to create a new paradigm for the people that were working in those industries. And they're just going to add them to their toolkit. Um, and then over time, there will likely be some consolidation. You know, the world you know, of, of traditional market research is already beginning to consolidate um, and, and expand. You're seeing, you know, Nielsen and Nielsen and Kantar, um, you know, shedding business units to focus in on some of their core competencies. So, you know, they're looking at the future in in, in the same respects. They are they're giving um, you know a lot of uh, of of time and attention to the, the digital platforms that are emerging um, because they know it's coming. So I don't think it's one or the other, frankly, I think it's, it's the right blend. It's like a, you know, it's a silly uh, um, phrase, but it's, you know, the right horse for the right course. And so there are a lot of different horses that run a lot of different courses. And now we're just seeing that digital, you know, is a lead horse in the race because there's no other horse to play. Uh, The question over, you know, the question then eventually becomes great in your stable, I can't believe I'm using this analogy all the way through, but in this, <laughs> in this stable, you're going to have, you know, some new horses, uh, in, 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 how you do things. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what happens going forward. And, and we're looking at it, you know, holistically, like, you know, we look at, at, um, what we're trying to build is, is, uh, you know, almost a market research cloud, um, very much the way Adobe has built a Creative Cloud, and and Microsoft has built an Office Cloud. You know, we think that that the world of market research, you know, and uh, is going to go in that same route, and so that's why. You know, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's, um, you know, we launched Suzy Live. We've launched Suzy Audiences. We've got our course Suzy Insights platform. You know, and over time, you'll see a a suite of tools that will make up the overall toolkit. And we're trying to think about it in a much more open, holistic, you know, um, nature so that we can leverage what is core to our business which is our audiences, the fact that we own our own audiences and we don't buy audiences on the open market, uh, it gives us a leg up to be able to do things that others can't. And that's the kind of foundation of it all. And then from there, we can very quickly iterate and launch something like Suzy Live, which is basically a video conferencing interface, you know, and scheduling interface on top of our audience. And we've got our core Suzy Insights platform that is about accessing that audience with different types of activities so that you can do different types of research. You know, eventually we'll, we'll you know, we're, we're looking at adding different types of tools and really unique things that leverage our audience base. And, you know, our hope is to, you know, kind of be that insights platform of record that starts to develop the overall market research cloud for large brands.
1: No, that that makes sense. So uh, you you mentioned it earlier, you had to obviously, and a lot of think companies had to do it, change their product roadmap based on kind of the pandemic and everything that's happening. But traditionally, how do you guys decide which features to add? Because you have some big brands that have potentially a lot of money to spend and I'm assuming that you're building the platform so everybody has the same feature set but yep. it's tricky if a you know a big brand, a multi-billion dollar brand comes to you and says, you know we really want these features and we're willing to spend X amount of dollars. How do you manage like those requests compared to sticking with your uh, product roadmap? Do you stray sometimes and actually add those features for maybe that company and everybody else on the platform, or how do you guys manage all that?
0: It's a fantastic question. It's the thing that keeps me up at night most of all, right, is prioritization. <laughs> um, as a software company, you only get a few swings at that every year, right? There, the, you, yep. you, there's limited limited time, limited resources, and infinite requests, right? We, we, we have a laundry list of things we wanna do that's gonna take, you know, 10 years arguably to build out Um, and and like any big software company, right? Whether you're Amazon uh, as a software based retailer, frankly, or whether you're Apple uh, or Salesforce, right? These, these folks know where their products are going and they know well in advance. And I think for the first time in our history as a company, we're starting to gain a little bit of that visibility um, and, and foresight up until about, you know, six, eight months ago, certainly well, you know, pre pandemic, Um, You know, we were, you know, still are a scrappy startup, but, you know, funding, you know, we hadn't raised our Series C yet. And so you really only have a a, a few key swings at bat. and, And it was very difficult, frankly, to do that. So you're constantly juggling the needs of your customers. With where you want the product to be, where your vision of the future of market research is, which oftentimes doesn't align to what your customers are asking for in the moment, sure. right? So you're 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 balancing this like you know uh, you know clouds and dirt approach. You're like in the dirt every day, grinding but you also need to be thinking a little bit in the clouds about where the world is headed. And we didn't really have the ability to do that up until, you know, frankly, the beginning of this year. Um, and the timing was kind of crazy because we closed our funding, our first close was in February. Three weeks later, we're in you know, pandemic mode. Right. So we, we were very fortunate that you know, we had money in the bank um, and were able to look really proactively at where the world was headed and we made a bet around suzy live which was not in our roadmap right for this year oh, you know we had thought about we had thought about it for later down the road and we had so many other things we wanted to do but you know all of a sudden overnight in person market research is gone and and so not only did we kind of get a sense from our customers of where the gaps were that they were faced in uh, but also the market opportunity like you know and, and and the white space that we can begin to fill Based on you know our value proposition and and our our premise our mission as an organization is to enable human understanding right at our core we are about helping you know the world understand humanity better um, and right now we're in a place or you know certainly back in March we're at a place where n- nobody knew anything you know um, uh, human understanding was 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 in a in a in a spiral uh, and and so our roadmap was influenced by the world large and now you know we have you know we have a, 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 an approach that we put into place uh, at the beginning of this year um, you know really borrowed from some of the best software companies in the world that we learned from which is this idea of like you know rocks pebbles and sand you know you get you know one big rock launch of recorder one big thing that's like a boulder that that moves you know um, moves mountains and then you've got you know a bunch of pebbles that need to get done like the the the, the, the day-to-day, the requests from customers, the feature enhancements, the, you know, making the experience better. And then you've got a bunch of pebbles. Uh, sorry, then you got a bunch of sand, right? Those are the bug fixes, the, the, the small things that, that, you know, you need to do in order to support a world-class uh, uh, software enterprise. And, you know, up until last year, um, we were really, we were, you know, we launched Suzy South by Southwest in 2018. And that was really the only rock that we ever launched. And then it was just a whole bunch of sand and pebbles for a long time to fill in the gaps, make sure the customers are happy, make sure that we're iterating and innovating where customers need us to. And, you know, Suzy Live this year was our first really big new rock launch. Um, and what we're trying to do now going forward is every quarter at least ship one big rock. That is our, you know, our, our, our place to tell the world where we think things are headed, right? Those, those once a quarter, we get one swing, uh, and those are the big stories. Uh, and, then, and then every two weeks, you know, we're shipping code and, and the, the product team is cranking. And every two weeks, you know, we're knocking out pebbles and we're knocking out sand and making sure that our customers are happy. The experience is working. There are no bugs in the system and we're taking feedback on a regular basis. So really, that's how we've started to balance things out is I can tell you now, I'm, you know, I, I can't say it publicly, but I can, I can, you know, I can tell you that I know what our next four rocks are. Right, which basically means the, the four big things on our roadmap going into 2021 for the first time in the history of the company like I can tell you a year out what those rocks are. Um, the sand and the pebbles are a little bit more iterative in real time and taking feedback and making sure we're course correcting appropriately. Um, and that's how we started to, to kind of think about it right how we manage priorities. Um, and, and it's been really good from that perspective. It allows us to live in the, in, you know, live in the clouds and understand where the world is going, but be be there present in the dirt every day and make sure we're creating value, you know, every two weeks that we ship code. Well,
1: makes, makes total sense, but we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about Susie and any other links you want to mention?
0: Awesome. I I appreciate that. So, you know, suzy.com, S-U-Z-Y.com is our website. Uh, In addition to learning about our products um, and our offering there, um, we also have a real-time insights hub. Um, We've made a very big uh, investment in in content uh, since the beginning of this year. We have a platform in Suzy that, that allows us to um, really kind of have access to the pulse of the nation. Um, and, and we've almost, you know, living up to our mission of enabling human understanding. Um, every two weeks, we host a state of the consumer uh, webcast, um, and, and, you know, we're getting you know, upwards of, you know, a thousand people registering for each one of those webcasts, which is phenomenal. Um, those webcasts are not about, you know, learning about Suzy. They are about understanding consumers. So I urge you all to, you know, you go to suzy.com and, and sign up to join our, our uh, newsletter and our mailing list. Uh, to get access to, to, to really insightful content uh, about where the world is going as it relates to consumer behavior. Um, and of course, if you're you know, in the market and need you know, um, real time insights as part of your organization, uh, you know, we're certainly happy to, to tell you more about you know, Suzy Live, Suzy uh, Insights and our, and our audience products. So um, in, in any way, shape or form that we can be of service, we are, we are here.
1: Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to be on the show. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day.
0: Thank you so much, Kevin. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Um, and, you know, you guys uh, can, can, can access uh, um, my contact information on social media. I'm at Avi Savar if you need to get in touch. Uh, by all means, I'm, um, I'm here and, and ready, willing, and able to answer any questions that you have or anybody else has. Perfect. Thanks very much. Cool. Okay. Thanks, Bye. Kevin. Really appreciate it. Bye. Okay. Bye